Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Amen. Good to see everybody here this morning. Good morning, church. Tell somebody you're sitting next to, I'm glad to see you. Tell them that. Glad you're in the house today. Hope you had a good week. Um, I want to invite your attention, if you have a Bible, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to be reading there in just a few minutes. And these are real questions that folks have uh, written or text us this week. The questions that you saw up on the screen this morning. Is it okay? And I'm going to answer specifically all these questions uh, at the end of the message, of course. But I want to be an encouragement to you this morning because what you need to walk away from after I speak to you this morning is not, this is what Ed says or Ed thinks. And to be honest with you, that's the way it should be every week. We don't need to remember what Ed thinks and Ed says. We need to remember and apply what the Word of God says. And I hope that I can draw your attention to that this morning and that we can really celebrate and, and really allow God's Word in our hearts. So these questions this week, and I would encourage you, grab one of those cards. If your, were, if your question is an embarrassing question, then fill it out during church when you go out in the lobby, say, hey, look, and as soon as they're not looking, stick your card inside the box, okay? But the box is over by the coffee area uh, that you can put your questions in. If you're really uncomfortable with that, text your question to the church phone number. I believe it's 972-800-9424. Is that right, Kelsey? Okay. 800, uh, 972-800-9424. But here are our questions today. Is it Okay. Uh, to sin, to be a witness, i.e. go to a bar. Now, I'm just reading the questions uh, the way that they were posed, and then we'll, then we'll explain them a little bit later. Number two, can, can Christians drink alcohol? Number three, uh, when marijuana is legalized in Texas, can I smoke pot recreationally? Signed, Cheech and Chong. Number four, some of you know what that means, some of you don't. Number four, can I drink wine at home? And then number five, my favorite question that my wife is really excited about Pastor Ed, do you ever drink alcohol? I am excited to answer that question for you this morning. So anyway, here's a statement I want you to consider as we kind of dive into the study this morning. When it comes to consumption or regarding consumption, it is usually not the what that gets us in trouble, but the why and the how much, dot, 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 usually. Okay, and I'm going to clarify that in just a few moments. But here, here's, here's kind of the what we're all dealing with today in our culture and our society when it comes to this idea of our Christian liberties, most people, most believers uh, want to understand and, and discuss how far we can push our boundaries out and put into practice principles uh, instead of putting into practice principles that protect our reputation in the name of Jesus. Uh, when I was a student pastor, Years and years and years and years ago, Pastor Gary, uh, my students used to ask me all the time, hey, Ed, how far is too far when it comes to, you know, dating and being alone and stuff like that? And that was always such a fun question to answer because my babies were little at the time, so I could be really strong about that. And then my girls became teenagers, four teenagers at one time, and I'm still alive today, so I could speak into that a little bit, Okay. But, you know, but we, we're more interested in how close we can get to the very, very, very edge without going over and getting in trouble. I mean, I want to get right there 
right on the edge. I don't want to be in trouble, but man, I want to get as close to that thing as I can get. And, and we really love passages of Scripture, like I'm going to read to you this morning, that talk about the things we're allowed to do, or Christian liberties. Um, Paul's going to talk about this very specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And just to give you a little bit of historical context without going all history channel on you this morning, Paul was in the process of moving from the time that Jesus Christ died, ascended up into heaven. This book of Acts was a bridge to the church when it was started to the local church of today. So there was a lot of change happening. There was a lot of cultural change that was happening. The Jews went from being under the law to under grace. And man, they loved that shift of going from under law to under grace because it really, by perception, gave them a lot more latitude or a lot more ability to do some fun things. I don't know if this has ever happened to you personally or if anybody ever has asked you this question, but I've invited uh, times in my life some friends that I grew up with uh, to, to church where I was pastoring. And I gotta be honest with you. There's one buddy, and I'm gonna tell you a little bit more about him later, that I invited to church with a little bit of fear trepidation because he knows all the secrets. Like he knows the deep, dark secrets of, and he could tell you everything about me and all the stuff we did as teenagers that I don't want you to know about this morning, okay? How many of you do not want everybody to know what you did when you were a teenager? Raise your hand. Teenagers, you can raise your hands too, it's okay. Like we get that, right? But we wanna know the stuff that we're allowed to do. When Paul was taking this shift, and listen, Paul was a Pharisee. Paul knew all the rules, all the laws. He knew how to speak about those rules, apply those rules, apply those laws. So he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 19. He says, though I am free, we sing that song, when the sun sets free, you'll be free indeed. Though I am free and I belong to nobody, right? That's like saying, okay, I'm free, I belong to nobody, I can do what I want to do. No, that's not what he says. I've made myself a slave to everyone for this purpose, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, but I want to win those under the law. To those not having the law, those are the Gentiles, I became like one not having the law. And I want to tell you something. That is a phrase that got Jewish people and Jewish uh, leaders very, very upset when Paul would say things like that. He would say, I'm a Jew, so I understand Jewish stuff. I want to win the Jews. And the Jewish people listening to him are going, okay, I'm down with that. And then he would speak to the religious religion, like the people that, it's kind of like people that go to church and the people that are like Sunday school teachers and leaders and know all the stuff, right? Know the Bible. They've been Christians forever and ever and ever and ever. That's what kind of these Pharisees were. They knew all the laws, memorized a big chunk of the Old Testament. So Paul would say, to you guys that are like really the law keepers of the Jews, I'm like one of you guys. I know all the stuff that you know because, and, and I want to use that for the advantage of so I can help you understand what it is I'm talking to you about today, right? So they're like, oh, okay, I'm down, I'm down, I'm down, I'm down. He's identifying himself with the Jews. And then he says this, and to you Gentiles, <gasps> that's like saying Mufasa to a hyena, right? Mufasa, ooh, right? Um, he says, and to you Gentiles, I became just like you, what you talking about, so that I can win some of you guys. So he had the attention of everybody because not only was he letting the Jewish people know that it was okay to identify with the Gentiles, he was letting the Gentiles know that, it, that he was identifying with them. 
You say, what is this all about? You want to know what it's about? Racism. There was huge racism. Racism is not a, we're not going to talk about racism today, but this was a huge problem, and it's always been a problem, all the way back to Abraham and his, and his family, but Paul's talking about, there's some things that I'm going to do for this reason. He said uh, in verse number, uh, again, I'm going to repeat verse 21. To those not having the law became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm now under Christ's law, so as or because or for the result of to win those not having to law. I want to reach Gentiles with the gospel of Jesus Christ is what he says. Then he says to the weak, I became weak so that I might win the weak. And then he says, I become all things to all people for this reason, so that by all possible means, I may save some, and I do this all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. You say, what does that have to do with drinking? Hold on, I'm going to crack it open in just a second. Did you like that? Did you hear what I said there? Anybody see our Facebook this week? Anybody see me crack one open on Facebook? Is anybody going to ask me after church if I drank that after, after church today? You're allowed to if you want to. I didn't, but I'll, I'll still talk to you about it in a second. So let's talk about this idea of consumption, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Here's Paul. Not many verses later, he says, so in conclusion, here's the point of what I'm trying to say to everybody today. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do. Now, that's a pretty broad brush to, to paint right there, right? So if I'm eating or I'm drinking, ready? Those two very specific areas. And then Paul says this, or whatever you do. I mean, that, whatever you do means everything. Would you agree with that this morning? Say amen. Okay, so Paul says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do not cause anybody to stumble, whether there's Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. That's who he was talking about earlier in chapter 9. Even as I try to please everybody in every way. And you know what? That can become very exhausting. You know, you know when you try to make everybody happy? And it's hard. We have our kids come over with our grandkids, and we really enjoy that. And our son-in-laws are all there. And we want, we try to make everybody happy. But you know what? You just can't make everybody happy. And it becomes very exhausting because we feel that relational pressure. I want you to be happy. I want you to be happy. Well, I feel that pressure in church. You know, I want the temperature to be perfect. I don't want the music loud. I don't want it not loud. I don't want it this. I don't want it that. We don't want it too dark. We don't want it too light. Because we're in that never-ending vortex of trying to make everybody happy. But you know that, that that's absolutely impossible. Will you agree with that this morning? Okay. So he says, whether for you to drink whatsoever you do, do all the glory of God. Do not cause anybody to stumble, whether they're Jews, Greeks, or even the church of God. Even as I try to please everybody in every way, oh, I just feel that exhaustion. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. Then he says this in verse 1 of chapter 11. Follow my example as or only when I follow the example of Jesus Christ. So Paul's strategy to reach some people is very simply he wants to win others. Now, when he says win others, that doesn't necessarily mean them being saved. He wants to win favor with them. He wants to win relational favor with Jews. He wants to win relational favor with religious people. He wants to win relational favor to the Gentiles or to those without the law. For what purpose? It's part two of his strategy to save others. He wanted people to accept the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, except Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, 
uh, so that their lives will be changed forever and ever and ever. And Paul, I mean, this is a great, great passage of scripture for understanding adapting to your culture, like for a missionary or to a youth pastor ministering to students or to you wherever you work, you have to adapt to your culture a little bit. Now listen, adapting to your culture does not necessarily mean, and it shouldn't mean, that you're compromising your personal value system. You can adapt to your culture. Uh, I was out with one of my friends, Kenan, a little while back, and I had a black hat on. He said, what's on that black hat? And I turned it around, shaking with fear and trepidation, because on the front of that hat was a T for the Texas Rangers. That was hard for me, because I'm trying to adapt to our culture. Trying. I'm not going to give up my Eagles or my Phillies, though. Ever, ever, never, ever, ever, right? It's an issue that I have. But Paul was saying, I'm going, to win. I'm going to win favor so that some can be saved. And why, what's the whole reason for this? He says it's all for this, for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not my popularity, not my position. Some people are going to disagree with me. Some people are going to get mad at me for that. When Paul said to the, to the religious Jews, I want to identify with you so I can make an impact on your life, they were like this, that's right, sucker. They were like, yeah, you better be identifying with us because you are one of us. You're one of us. And then he takes a little bit of a step back culturally. He says, and to the rest of you that are just Jews, I'm down with you guys because I want to see some of you guys understand what I'm talking to you about today. And to the Gentiles. And then, and the, you know, as soon as he said that, I wonder if the Jews were like, yeah, give it to them. Give it to them. Yeah, tell them that they're bad. Tell them, tell them that they're living a, an ungodly lifestyle. Tell them, speak to them in a condescending tone because we can really agree with that. And Paul says, I want to be just like you <gasps> because I want to influence you. Now, why did he want to identify with all three, with all three groups of those people? For the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what in the world does this have to do with drinking alcohol, Right? Now, we have to understand, we got to take it back a little bit and understand why are we here? That big universal question, why are we here? To glorify God, to worship God. That's the purpose of our life as believers. And there are absolutely, throughout Scripture, warnings in the Bible regarding drinking. There are warnings all throughout the Bible when it comes to this understanding of drinking. I'm going to read some of them to you this morning. Ephesians 5.18, it says, don't get drunk with wine. That's pretty clear. Romans 14, 12. It is not good to drink wine or do anything that causes a brother to stumble. The emphasis is on causing the brother to stumble. Hosea 4, going old school, Old Testament, chapter 4, number 11. It says, beware of wine, which will take away your understanding. Somebody said, yeah, get it on wine, but don't say beer. Let's look at Proverbs 20, verse number 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Proverbs 21, 17. He who loves wine a lot will not be rich. Yeesh, right? The Bible doesn't say don't do it ever. You can't read from Genesis through Malachi. I have an Italian friend that used to say Malachi about the book of Malachi. Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi, Matthew through Revelation. You can't read any verse in the 66 books in the Bible where it tells people absolutely, wouldn't it be super duper easy if one of the Ten Commandments never consume alcohol at any level? Then we could do a, thus saith the Lord, right? 
But then we move into this Christian liberties thing, right? What are we allowed to do? What are we not allowed to do? The Nazarenes, they weren't allowed to drink at all. That was one of their rules, right? Samson broke one of those three Nazarite vows that he had, and he got in a lot of trouble for it. Religious people in the Old Testament, yeah, it said you can't drink as a Pharisee. Well, what about everybody else? Where does that make me today? Are we under the law or under grace? You know, and we kind of, we want to know, what, what do we want to know? How far we can push this thing without getting in trouble. It's interesting, isn't it? Listen to Proverbs 23, verse number 29. Talks about the influence of alcohol in your life. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? This is a good one right here. Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Not moms who are nursing their babies till three in the morning. That was funny. You can laugh at that. That's okay. The, the, the mamas that have young babies are going to have bloodshot eyes. And if you see a mom coming to church who's got a baby, don't assume she has a hangover, okay? She's been up all night with her child. If another husband has, never, never mind, okay. So who has woe, sorrow, strife, complaints, needless bruises, bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. Don't glaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights and your mind will imagine confusing things. You say, that's not true. If you've ever been drunk before, if you've never been drunk before, you don't think it's true. If you've been under the influence of alcohol at any level, you're going, yeah, I can see that. I hope nobody sees me shaking my head, right? You'll be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. When I wake, when will I wake up so I can find another drink? So let's rewind the tape a little bit. Five questions. Is it okay to be a witness? To, is it okay to, be a sin, to sin to be a witness, i.e. go to the bar? Well, my answer to that question is, when is it a sin to go into a bar? Is it a sin as soon as you cross through the threshold, you're in sin land? Right, you walked into a bar. Well, you can't eat at Red Lobster, 10:50, where I'm going to lunch today with my nephew and his beautiful wife, um, and go on Wednesday night if anybody wants to go out to dinner with us on Wednesday night. 10:50, I love 10:50. They have a bar. If you try to find a restaurant without a bar that you can eat at, you're not eating in Dallas, Texas, unless it's a breakfast place like First Watch. Okay. So I don't think it's a sin to walk into a bar. To walk into a bar is not a sin. That's, that's my personal opinion. I'm not going to put a verse and chapter on that, and we'll talk about more about that in a second. Can a Christian drink alcohol? I'm going to answer it very carefully. Yes, cautiously. But stay with me. Don't walk out of church today and say, oh, He said we can drink. Yeah! Right? Stay with me. Number three, when marijuana is legalized in Texas, can I smoke pot recreationally? I don't think recreationally is necessary. I, I don't think it's necessary. You could go play Frisbee or something as a recreation. <laughs> and I'm not making fun of whoever asked that question. I'm really not. But here's how I would answer your question. Recreationally, no. But medicinally, see your doctor. There are medicinal properties in smoking marijuana that help people with cancer and glaucoma and very serious illnesses. But don't do it because you think you need it. Do it under the advisory of somebody that's your doctor. 
that knows what they're talking about better than you do. Because we could justify everything, right? Well, if the doctor says it's okay to do it to do this, I'm really, really tired. I need to go to Pink Floyd comfortably numb land, so I'm going to smoke a joint before I go to bed because I need to relax. Nope, you can't, you can't justify it that way. All right? We could talk about it more after church if you want to privately, and you can buy me lunch. Number four. And I'm going to ask you this question. Why? What's, what's the why behind it? You always got to put the why behind all the stuff that we do, like Paul talked about earlier. Can I drink wine at home? Well, the first thing I'll ask you is this. What's the difference between drinking wine at home and drinking it outside? You have to kind of think through that a little bit. But how much, when, and why? Practice discernment, discretion, and self-control. If it becomes something you need, there may be another issue that you're having. Do you need that? Are you longing for that, Right? You have to ask yourself that question. And the question we've all been waiting for. Pastor Ed, do you ever drink alcohol? I can answer that very clearly for you this morning. I used to drink quite a bit before I surrendered my life to the Lord. I uh, had a pretty profound stronghold on my life and had a very negative impact on my family. And um, when I gave my life to the Lord, I, for me, I needed to stop drinking totally. I needed to do that because it... it because it began to control my life and it became more important to me than, to my, than my wife was and my little kids at the time. But today, as a 53-year-old guy, I choose not to drink regularly because I have diabetes and alcohol drinks contain uh, sugar, lots and lots of sugar. And if I'm going to do something where I'm stepping out of bounds, I'd rather have a piece of pizza than a glass of beer. I'm just, you know, just on the keeping it real thing, okay? But... <clears throat> I also choose not to drink in public because of the testimony of our church. I wear warehouse church t-shirts all the time. Yesterday, you would have been embarrassed to see me. I had a warehouse church t-shirt that I cut the sleeves off of, so there was a gun show yesterday. And Johnny and I went out, and I was doing some stuff and I had my sleeveless t-shirt on. He says, so you're really going to rock that warehouse t-shirt without the sleeves on it, aren't you? And I said, are you saying that in opposition, or are you approving of it? He says, it just depends on where we go, so... Um, but I choose not to do that because the testimony of the church, and I, and I embrace, and I'm not ashamed of, but I don't flaunt it, my position as a leader in this church. But just to be very personal about it, we don't keep it in our home because we have members of our family that have struggled with alcohol, just like I do. And I don't want my grandkids opening up and saying, Pop, I want a beer. That's, that's for me. That's for my family. Um, the last time I drank a glass of beer... I can be very specific and tell you almost the exact time of day that it happened. And you're going to laugh at me because you're going to think I'm joking, but this is the truth. The last time that I had a glass of beer, because beer was my preferential drink of all the alcoholic things, uh, alcohol things, was literally, and it's going to sound like I'm lying to you, but it was when the Eagles won the Super Bowl a year and a half ago. You say, wait a minute, you were still our pastor. Yeah, but I was in Minnesota, Okay. <laughs> And it was like 1 o'clock in the morning, and my brother said, let's hoist. He bought, I went, I went in and went to the bathroom. That's what 50-year-old people do. As soon as they walk into a restaurant, they go right to the bathroom. Went into the bathroom, washed my hands, came back to the table, and Joe said, we're going to, my brother Joe, and I'm blaming him. You can tell him that if you, when you see him in our church. Hey, man, let's hoist one up for the Eagles. I'm like, meh, okay. And that was delicious, and I loved it, and I enjoyed it, and one was enough. It was enough. I didn't stumble to my room that night, 
Right before I drank it, and I have a witness in this room, I text my wellness doctor, Dr. Brian Hoot, and I said, hey, buddy, my brother bought me a beer. Can I drink one beer tonight? He said, yes, only one. Make sure it's a light beer, and I'm celebrating with you this, 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 and this, and, and congratulations. Enjoy it because it's never going to happen again. That's what he said to me. <laughs> Would you confirm that, Dr. Hooten, this morning? It's pretty close to what was said there. I even texted my wife because I felt naughty. <laughs> hey, is this Okay. Can I, have, can I have one? The Eagles won the Super Bowl, babe. This is probably never going to happen again. She says, I'm not mad at you for asking me if you could drink one glass of beer. You're an adult. I'm mad at you because you woke me up. <laughs> you know my wife, so you know that's exactly what happened. But I also know this. If I was invited to your house, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable if you drink wine with your dinner. If we go out to dinner together, you don't need to ask my permission to have a glass of beer or a glass of wine for your dinner. You don't. You don't need to have that with me. I'm not offended at that kind of stuff. And I'll be honest with you. I think Christians are known more by what they're offended by than what they love. You know, I don't want people to, oh, I don't want to offend him. Listen, don't worry about offending me. Worry about offending your Savior. It's your, yeah, you have Christian liberties. God's given you the ability to make some decisions, but God's also wants you to know that there's a bigger picture out there than what you feel about stuff and what your body's telling you to do and what you think is okay and what you're justifying and not justifying. So let me give you some things to consider before you consume alcohol. Number one, your health. Your health. It's important. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Paul says, Don't you know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit which is in you? When you receive Christ, you don't belong to yourself anymore because you've been paid for with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We have to be careful not to laugh off or excuse poor behavior when it comes to our health. This is God's temple. I'm allowed to live inside of it, and I'm pretty happy. Because I get more square footage than most of you do. So I'm pretty happy with the temple that God's gave. Isn't that kind of a cool way to look at it? You know, if you're a big dude, you could say, yeah, what's up? God gave me more square footage to work in, right? Because we're probably all going to be the same size in heaven, maybe. I don't know what size we're going to be in heaven, but I do know this. This shell, this temple, this body, which is temporary, doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him because he paid for it. And and therefore, because it's his, I need to glorify God in my body. So let me help any of you that have been in church for a long, long time, right? How many of you would say you're old school Christians? Say amen. Amen. I've been saved for a long time too. I remember when I was a kid, I was 14 years old. We were outside playing basketball. When we were outside playing basketball, I kind of got into it. One of these guys that was there, his name was Bill Dooley. And Bill Dooley got mad at me and he pushed me. And he was only like this big, dumb. Why would you do that, right? So I pushed him back down on the ground. He went right into this big puddle of mud. And I wasn't afraid of Bill Dooley. Bill Dooley was a little dude. Remember, I have more square footage than Bill Dooley does. Bill Dooley got up and he says, I'm telling my mom. I was afraid of Mrs. Dooley. Do you remember Mrs. Dooley? I was afraid of Mrs. Dooley. Mrs. Dooley came running after me. Eddie Trangle! And she came. So I did the only thing you can do when an adult mama is running after you because it doesn't matter how big an adult mama is, she can kick your butt. Remember that. She comes running after me. So I, I ran in the church. I'm going to zigzag around the pews, right? And those are long benches that used to be in a lot of churches that are in some churches today that are fine. They don't have chairs that you can kick down and move around and do that, right? They had these pews bolted. So I'm running in and out of the pews. She says, stop running in church. This is an abomination to God. 
And I looked at her, I said, what? I don't want you to kick my butt. So I got on top of the pews and I'm stepping over, running through the church auditorium, right? And then guess who walks in? The pastor. He said, I cannot believe you are desecrating the temple of God, right? And when you say God like that, you were really mad God, when you whisper God's name like that. And I was afraid. And listen, I grew up, when you got in trouble with somebody else, I got in trouble with him. Then I got home and got in trouble with my mom. And then I got in trouble with my dad. Everybody got a shot to get me a little bit, right? And you remember, and listen, do you remember when? And this isn't a bad thing, by the way. There used to be a little bit more respect and honor walking in to the church auditorium. Brother Frank, you know what I'm talking about. And that's something that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing to walk in here and say, you know what? I'm coming into the presence of God. I need to, I need to really get my mind and my heart focused on him. That's a good thing. But just like we would do that about church, man, Old, Old Testament's crazy when it talks about what happened when Solomon dedicated the temple, fire from heaven came down, filled up the place. The priests couldn't even look at it because the light was so consuming because the presence of God was in the temple, right? The temple, the presence of God in the temple. The day that you ask Jesus Christ to be your personal savior, his Holy Spirit lives inside of you at that very moment and you became God's dwelling place, God's temple. It's a holy place. Be holy as I'm holy, separate from the world, you belong to me now. And that means everything you do, everything you look at, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God because you are God's dwelling place. That's how serious that is for us. But consider your health. Don't Listen, are you a good manager, a good steward of, of your health? Look at the big picture. Look at the big picture more than a singular action. Why do we not want to know all the stuff that we can do? Why do we, why do we want to you know, make excuses for all this behavior instead of looking at the big picture of, you know what, I got to take care of my health. Because there are people that can handle a beer, two beers, three beers. You can drink wine at dinner every night. No hate, no judgment. But that can turn into more very, very quickly. And you got to keep in mind your temple. And listen, you could sin drinking a glass of water or eating a donut or eating a piece of pizza or even eating a salad. You say, how could you do that? When you put the needs of yourself before the needs of others. When you do it, no matter what anybody else is thinking. When you drink a big glass of water and somebody over on the other side of the room is thirsting to death, you're like, yum, 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 yum. Ah. That's sin. So right, isn't it a lot bigger picture than you having a glass of wine or a glass of beer at the end of the night, at the end of your day? Sure it is, because you have to take care of your temple. You gotta take care of the body that God's blessed you with. Here's number two. Consider this, your reputation. Proverbs 22.1, a good name is more desirable than great riches, and to be esteemed is better than silver or gold. John 3.30, he must become greater, and I must become less. Paul, it says in the book of Acts, so I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God. 1 Peter 2.12, live such good lives among the pagans. Man, that's a great verse. Is it fair to say that we live in a pagan society today? 
I'm not judging our world or the greatest country in the world, the United States of America. We don't live in a Christian nation anymore. We don't. We don't live in a world that values God more than anything anymore. And I'm not saying that as an opinion. We could use the word of God and understand that. And Peter said, live in a way among the pagans that they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. You don't have to walk around and let people know that you're a Christian everywhere you go. Well, I don't drink because I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I go to church. A couple years ago, we had a, um, a service at our church, <clears throat> and we got out early. I told my nephew today, hey, man, we're going barbecue today. We'll be done on time today. When I'm thinking about lunch before church starts, it's going to be a good day, right? This guy came up to us. We all, we, 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 we went to church, and then we told our folks in our church, bring your shorts and your T-shirts because right after church, we're going to go to McAllister's and go get a quick lunch. And then we're going to go to the beach. This is when we lived in Jacksonville, Florida. Almost 20 years ago. Ooh. We're going to go to the beach and we're going to do a big baptism service, right? So after church, we're putting on our T-shirts. I cut my sleeves off of my shirt. It was cool with my church T-shirt on. Went into McAllister's. We're all there with our bathing suits and T-shirts and baseball hats and flip-flops. I was wearing sneakers because these toes do not warrant flip-flops, right? So we're sitting there eating. And this guy... Walks up to our ta- walks right up to our table and goes, "You can tell who wasn't in church today." Isn't that funny? I mean, because because we had T-shirts on. I even had a T-shirt on that said the name of our church, and we were between services going to a baptism afterwards. And I was looking. I'm thinking. Dude, I'm going to be in church longer than you are today. Are you kidding me? I was like so mad at him. And I looked at him and I said, how do you know that? Because you know what? I really don't care most of the time what people say about me most of the time. And I looked at him because I was really feeling mad about the the way he was talking about the people in our church. I said, do you know that every person at this table who's wearing T-shirts and shorts didn't go to church today? He said, well, it doesn't look like it. I said, according to you. And later that day, we went to the beach, baptized like eight people. This one dude we baptized, it's a great story. This one dude that we baptized, right? We had to go really, really, really far out. It was Jacksonville Beach. We had to go really, really far out because I don't know what the, 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 the tides and all this stuff was. And this guy just accepted Christ as a Savior. He was on fire. He was an African-American gentleman, really, really great guy. And I'm saying that because we were so psyched because we didn't have a whole lot of African-Americans in our church. And we were starting to reach the culture that, where our community was. It was just awesome. Love this guy. He came up to get baptized that day. We were so stoked about it. He walks all the way out to the water, and he, he goes all the way out there to get baptized with us, right? He says, hey, Pastor, do you mind if I take my shirt off? Okay, we're at the beach. Who cares, right? Ugh. He takes his shirt off. He's got a nipple ring on both sides. You ready? With a chain connecting them. Owie. Can you imagine going into a, ta- to a tattoo parlor? Um, yeah, I want to get both of these pierced. And could you tend to, can, and if that doesn't hurt me enough long term, can you connect it with string or like with a rope or something? And I looked at him, I was like, yeah, hey, no problem. Uh, Francis, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Here's your shirt, man. God bless you. I mean, I was like, <laughs> so we do shirts every time now we baptize. So that's, that's a good thing. What's your reputation? And listen, what's your reputation in the world that we live in today? 
Number three, other people around you. 1 Corinthians 8.13 says this, Therefore, if I eat what causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I'm never going to eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. Listen, we have families in this church who you may be sitting next to that are alcoholics or drug addicts or addicts of some kind, and it's a very, very serious thing to them. We have it my family. And I don't want to do anything. I was out with a church family. I even told them I was going to tell you the story, but I'm not going to tell you their name. I was out with a church family one time. And they asked me, Pastor, do you drink? I'm like, oh, cool. We're with a cool family now, right? Because first couple years here were hard. Man, we, were, we had some tough, tough things we had to work through. Man, I was walking straight lace and like nobody's business, you know. And when his family said, hey, Pastor, how do you feel about drinking? I was like, oh, we can have wine tonight. This is going to be awesome. I don't even like wine, but I don't know. I was just getting pumped for no reason. And I, so I'm thinking, ah, I better answer this carefully. I'm not against it. I don't do it. And I gave the right answer that I'm supposed to give, you're right. And this is what the wife said. Well, I can't because I'm an alcoholic and I've been free for three or four years and da 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 and da 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 and da 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 and da 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 Gave me her story. I don't want to drink alcohol when I'm with somebody like that. It's not worth it. It's not worth causing somebody else to struggle or stumble. It's not worth hurting the name of Jesus. I don't need alcohol. We don't need alcohol. There's crickets in here, I think, over <laughs> on that side of the building. Listen, we need to be careful that we're not going to do things, listen, to flip the bird at the establishment. We have to be careful about that. I have Christian liberty. I could drink. I don't care how strict your church is. I'm going to drink. Boom. Can guess who you just made it about? So therefore, the alcohol is not the sin. It's the attitude that accompanied it, Right? We live for an audience of one. And we're to be a reflection of Jesus Christ in our words, eat, drink, and whatever we do. Do the actions of my life on the outside line up with the attitude that I'm supposed to have in my personal belief system of Jesus Christ? Other people around you. Two things and we'll pray. Ready? Consider this when you drink, your reason. What's your why? What's your why? Why do you do it? Do you really need it? Paul said that to Timothy. Hey, man, drink a little wine before you go to bed. You got an upset stomach tonight, right? Jesus made wine in the the New Testament. He didn't make really good Welch's sugary grape juice. There's a whole social thing that's understood there. Jesus made, not only did Jesus make wine, he made the highest quality wine. Would Jesus make wine to cause other people to sin. Of course not, he wouldn't do that. But it's my reason to rub it in the face of other believers. My church says it's okay to drink. Boom. My mom and dad told me I couldn't my whole life, and I'm going to. And I don't care what they say because of my Christian. What's your reason? Are we drawing attention to ourselves or drawing attention to Jesus Christ? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Listen, know your why. And listen, you say, you're being too analytical with this. This is such a big deal. It's a big deal because your testimony is a big deal. Moms and dads, what we do in moderation, our children will do in excess. When we're around weaker brothers, we have to be careful that we're not hurting the name and hurting the cause of Jesus Christ. Is putting alcohol on your lips a sin? No, it's usually everything else that comes with it. Motives, actions, attitudes. Are we getting drunk? Are we not getting drunk? Do we need to? Do we not need to? Handle with care. Be careful. Because here's what's at stake, church. 
your future opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have a pain in my heart. When I was a young guy, I lived stupid. I'm embarrassed by it. I don't like talking to my kids about it. They always want to, when I'm with my brother, they always want to ask my brother questions about me growing up. Hey, tell me when, tell me about my dad when he was 18 years old or, you know, 17 years old or 16 or whatever. My brother loves to work me too. Hey, I'll tell you about, he'll mention a name and I'll go, you say it, you die. Because I, you know, I don't want him telling my kids that stuff. But I've got a friend. And I used to go out with him all of the time. I wasn't walking with the Lord. I was running from God is what I was doing. And we used to go out every night after work. We'd go to John's Bar and Grill up in Media, Pennsylvania. And I would drink, 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 drink like crazy. Then we went to Brownie's Pub in, in um, I think it's in Morton or something like that near Springfield. I can't remember the name of the town it's in. And then we went to a club afterward when it closed at two and just kept drinking. And I remember one time, I, I, I just stupid, I just drank too much and I was gonna be responsible. So I got in my car, turned it on. I fell asleep in my car and I didn't go home that night. Got to work the next day, six in the morning after just being in a stupor. And my dad looked at me and said, you're an idiot. And I said, I know, I gotta call Kim. I was married, I didn't go home all night. I called her on the phone, rotary phone. That's the longest number I ever dialed in my life. Didn't say Siri, call Kim. It's like, and we lived in Delaware. Three, zero, two, three, two, eight, two, eight. That's my mom's number. Two, eight, three, five. I called Kim. Where are you? I said, honey, I love you. I didn't cheat on you last night, but I drank a whole lot and I stayed in the car. She said, you promise you didn't cheat on me? I said, I promise I didn't cheat on you tonight. She said, okay, I'm still gonna kill you. So I had, and listen, and my dad made me work 14 hours that day, deserved. So by the end of the day, I'm like, ugh, I'm dying. I get in the house and then there she is, ready to kill me. Then I went to work the next day and my buddy, I'm not gonna say his name. He said, man, he says, you're sure showing those church people what it means to have fun. And about a year later, I gave my heart to Christ and I put all that stuff away and I dumped lots and lots and lots of booze down the toilet had the cleanest pipes in Aston Township. Dropped a pound of pot in the toilet too. I did. Flushed it all away. It's gone. Started trying to live right. Took me a while. You know, I'm still, I'm still a work in progress. My wife says amen to that. But I invited Pat to come to church with me. Say amen. Why don't you come to church? He said, you may think those people know who you are, but I know who you really are visit him five years later, try to get in touch with him. I don't know if he knows Christ as Savior. And I did all that stuff in front of him saying I was a believer. It hurts my heart. So it doesn't bother me not to drink anymore. It doesn't bother me when you do. Okay? I just want to ask you to consider your testimony. Consider other people in your life. Handle with care. Proceed with caution. If you can do without it, you're better off for it. Somebody say amen. Let's pray. Lord, this message wasn't about yes or no on alcohol. It was about yes or no on what our testimony needs to be for you. Big picture. We want to get all in the weeds of all these little tiny little things. Is it okay to 
do this? Is it okay to do that? We want to justify our actions. When the fact is, Lord, your Bible is very, very clear about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, convicting us of sin, guiding us in truth. Lord, I don't think it's a sin. I don't think your Bible, I just, I haven't read that it is. But man, there's a lot of warnings about it. And I know we need to be careful. And Father, I pray that anything I said this morning was not meant to glorify me, draw attention to me. I'm thankful for the work that you've done in my life. I'm thankful for folks in our church that are recovering from this, this demon, this, this, this demonic oppression of alcoholism and drug addiction and sexual addiction and all kind of stuff that's in the world today, just doing everything it can to pull us away from you. I thank you that there's forgiveness of sin. I thank you that you are greater than all of this stuff. Greater is he that is in the world, that is in us, than he that is in the world. And Lord, just help us to consider, not just when we're sitting at home having a glass of wine before we go to bed, but Lord, everything that we do in our life, Lord, there's never a time in our life that we're not a Christian if we know you as Savior. We don't just shut it on and off. We don't come in here all ironed up and, and, and cleaned up and showered up and shaven and saying all the right stuff because we're walking into church, Lord. Really, it, it matters more what we are in the world, the way that the rest of the world perceives us. So I pray, Father, we'll keep that in mind. And if in our Christian liberty, we know that we're around people, it's not going to be a stumbling block to, and we know how to control it and monitor it and not make it a God in our lives, whether we can live with it or live without it. Lord, just, just I, I pray your Holy Spirit's work is, 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 is not only demonstrated in people's lives, that it's acknowledged and that we will listen to you. I know for some people, they can't touch it, look at it, get near it, because it'll mess them up. I know other people that are thinking, why is this an issue in other people's lives? I don't even understand it. Lord, that's where that Christian liberty idea comes in. And that's where that full understanding of the Holy Spirit's work in our life has to be that we submit ourselves to. So give us wisdom. Help us in our lives, whether therefore we eat or drink or whatever we do, do all the glory of God. So with your heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody's looking around. I'd like to pray for you. Listen, I'm not going to ask you if you're an alcoholic. I'm not going to ask you if you're in the deepest, darkest, you know, whatever in your life. But how many would just say, Pastor, I could sure use some prayer of encouragement as I consider this in my life, in my family's life today. Would you just, without mentioning my name or embarrassing me, just pray for me this morning? Would you lift your hand up in the air all over the room? God bless you, all over the room. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you. Father, glorify yourselves through our lives. Help us to see you, submit to you, follow you. Help us to be good stewards of this temple that you've given us. Help us to represent you in a proper way in front of the world. Help us not to make fun of people that have such a deep conviction about this. I celebrate that. But don't let me use that as a way to, to, to justify what I do, Lord. I'd rather not do it and glorify you than do it and hurt other people. I pray for strength, wisdom, discernment, um, and, and, and a clear path of your leading in people's lives for all of us this morning. We love you and thank you for your word. And I am thank you that I'm done talking about this. In Jesus' name, everybody say it with me. Amen. Thank you for listening.